Welcome to Spritz and Scrums, a podcast by three Benetton fans with a love for Aperol and all things Rugby Italiano. Italy put in a big score against Namibia in their first World Cup game, placing them top of Pool A. Stop the count! (laughs) Italy beat Namibia 52-8 in the opening game of the World Cup. Uh, Only Ireland scored more points in their opening game. They scored seven tries and a penalty. So on the face of it, it looks pretty good. But we'll be looking closer. What really happened? Was it as good as it sounds? Could it have been better? Was it shit? No, it wasn't shit. No, it wasn't shit. It was very good. I enjoyed it. It started off a little bit edgy, but they won the second half 35-0. Oh, yeah. Convincing second half. And even that second half, there was probably about 15 minutes of it that were a little bit shaky. But all in all, I think that final score reflects pretty nicely on a comprehensive win. Me too. I do think Namibia were really good. And their rush defence, which we'll talk about a little bit later, was seriously impressive. They clearly done their homework on Italy, how Italy play, and their work rate was through the roof. So it wasn't easy for Italy. No. But they did a really good job. They came out at the beginning, there was all laughter and smiles in the tunnel. Palo Adogo was doing a bit of a dance. But then immediately things went Namibia's way a little bit. Italy got a penalty from the re- uh, from the start, but Paolo Garbisi missed touch with his first thing. And then immediately after that, uh, Sebastian Negri and Captain Lamaro both gave away penalties at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, this was two minutes in, which meant Namibia went 3-0 up almost immediately. That's obviously not ideal. But beginning of a World Cup, emotional roller coaster, not yeah. the end of the world. Yeah, and you have to remember, as we sort of mentioned in our last episode, mini episode, that so many of these players are brand new, fresh to a World Cup. So, yes, you could argue that Namibia is going to be their easiest game and they should start strong. And But, you know, it's a, I think it's a little bit normal to have a lot of pressure on you because it's a World Cup and they needed to shake that off. And actually, lucky for them, they had Namibia as their first game because they were able to kind of settle those nerves um, and comprehensively beat them in the end. Yeah, and actually Italy played with a maturity uh, which was almost too mature at times. Really not what we're used to. They they Ooh. kicked the ball a lot more than we've seen them under Kieran Crowley. They tried to play possession. Weirdly, though, at the end, Namibia still had better territory stats than Italy did. Yeah, that is fascinating, isn't it? They did try to kick more and they did kick more. Uh, and actually, it was the few moments when they decided to try and run it out of their 22 that they were caught out as per usual. Yes. And there was one where they had a turnover ball, which led to their first try, where normally Italy would run it. But instead, they kicked it, um, which then led to a line out, which led to a Namibian yellow card and a try for Italy. But normally that would be straight through the hands to Monty. That's one thing we'll talk about later, but we'll talk about it now. How well did Namibia stop the ball getting to Monty and Capuzzo? 
Well, pretty well, if you think that Capozzo didn't touch the ball for essentially the entirety of the first half. I forgot he was there. I know, I know, me too. I thought, oh, when did the couple? What's up? Come on. <laughs> when did they come up? They did everything to stop it. They had such a fast rush defence. So many people were centers. joking that, like, you know, because I don't know if you guys saw, but Capozzo was, like, the most picked player for fantasy rugby. Um, and so many people on social media were like, as if I've just picked him and, like, he hasn't had the ball for 60% of the game. Hasn't seen even in the shadow of the ball. But that's credit to Namibia. Namibia played an amazing game in terms of just their rush defence and stopping that ball getting out to the wings. Yeah, And if they couldn't rush up to make a tackle... They went for the intercept. They did anything they could to stop Italy's 11 and 14 running around with the ball. Yeah. And it worked really well. It worked for about, I mean, I'd say up until sort of 56 minutes when Italy got their bonus point try. Like, yes, they got obviously the three tries leading up to it, but they were hard earned tries. Namibia really put in a shift. Like they had studied their opponent, clearly studied them and gone, right, well, the threats are out on the wings. We've just got to stop the ball getting to the wing. And it worked because yeah. in the first half, they scored a try, which was uh, from a mall. They got a very good try that was set up by Lamaro and finished by Carbisi uh, from a Namibian line out that went wrong. But bear in mind, Namibia were missing their hooker. So the number eight overthrew it. Yeah. What was their third try? Was Dino Lamb. Was Dino Lamb. So another one in the tight. And then it was yeah, their fourth try, 55 minutes in. That was the first time that uh, Capozzo and Monty were let rip, let Power loose. Played. Yeah. And uh, actually, Capozzo made a brilliant break, but then passed the ball a little bit too early to Monty. And Monty had to pass it back like they were playing sevens for Capozzo to finish. A brilliant play from Monty to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and actually, that was a thing that Capozzo did a couple of times in this game. It wasn't his best game for this. He didn't really draw defenders in. He didn't draw and give. It's such a simple thing. He never made defenders make decisions on him. He yes, I would agree with that. He he made and he also made a couple of handling errors. Well, everyone made a couple of handling errors. The handling errors were appalling. But um, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, he I think he didn't have his best game. But again, he's young. It's his first World Cup. It, it's it's a lot. It's all a lot. Which is why it's great that their first game was Namibia. And all credit to Namibia. Italy didn't take them lightly. Like, you know, as you said, Namibia went up 3-0. Italy had an opportunity when they got a penalty to go, right, well, we'll kick um, we'll kick for the line out. And they didn't. They kicked for points to level up 3-3. And I think that's two things. That's Tommy Allen with the wisdom experience. And once again, I, I'll, I'll repeat it because I said it over a month ago. Tommy Allen with his fantastic kick success rate he's gone hang on a minute we're all a little bit edgy it's a little bit nervy let's settle this now with a simple kick kick for three we go level and we start from scratch and it just it was in my opinion two things it was settling Italy's nerves but it was also showing respect to Namibia and not being you know your average cocky tier one team that goes oh we've got a penalty right let's Let's kick, uh, kick to the touchline and and go for go for a try because we will take them. Yeah, I think that's why they moved him to ten in the end. I think they got tired of the rush defence and they needed to get further up the pitch. So I think they went. Well, Alan can kick. 
he can kick into good territory, get him up there so we can play a different part of the pitch. And I think I think yeah. that's probably why. And Garbisi went to 12. So then also you had a, a right footer and a left footer who can both slot into first receiver. And, you know, it's an interesting option to have to be able to play with that. And Kieran did that at the right point, I think. It was about sort of 60 minutes in. He goes, right, well, at that point, they had the bonus point um, try. They were up. It was pretty, pretty comfortable. And he was like, right, well, if I'm going to try stuff out, this is the time to be trying stuff out. So let's switch things around. And actually, I think Italy played really well, um, switching things around, moving Tommy to 10, Paolo Garbisi to 12, Ange out to 15, Bruno onto the wing. I think it, it worked well. Well, it certainly did. 35 points in the second half. Yeah. Yeah, 35 nil. 35 points with no response. You know, and then in that as well, there were some excellent tries. It was great to see Fiverr, Hamo Fiverr, back doing what he used to do for Benetton so well, clawing over that line. It, 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 he used to do it for Benetton all the time. Obviously, he's had a difficult time with Worcester and then went down to the Hurricanes. And But it was great to see it. Great to see it. It reminds you, like, actually, when he's on form, he can be a try machine. Yeah. Well, so many players got tries on their World Cup debuts, right? Le- yeah. Dino Lamb, Paolo Dogru, um, Zuliani. Zuliani, Fiverr. It was, yeah. But just a, a lot of fun towards the end. Giuliani was also immense. He was immense. But yes, I mean, we're, yes, it was a good, 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 solid first game. And I think everyone would agree that final try when Bruno, you know, we were in 80 minutes, Bruno could have kicked it out and ended the game 45-8. And I'm not sure what he was doing, whether he was trying to kick for touch in a like a really long kick for touch or what, but he kicks it long and it just doesn't go out um and a namibian player catches the ball and starts to attack and then they give away a penalty and so italy get a penalty and it results in that final try that point difference from 45 8 52 8 makes psychologically i think a big difference yeah but a dog had to work for that try yeah Mm. and he was on his own oh yeah oh yeah it was speed it was power it was everything. Everything you want to see from a player like that. But then, weirdly, Italy, one of the things that really let them down in this game was their finishing. The amount of times they got into the uh, Namibian 22 and they lost the ball. Negri lost the ball twice on the floor, knock-ons. One of them, actually, he ended up mouthing off to the ref and giving away a penalty for dissent. Yeah. Well, let's look at that quickly, right? Let's look at because we've spoken about the, the the fact that we've kind of given a general overview of the game, and the game is obviously going to be overall a net positive for Italy because they've come away winners and significant winners. But there were some moments that deserve a look at. Okay, so there was one in the opening first six minutes uh, where Monty made a brilliant break, uh, but then passed it right, I think, to Negri, who knocked it on while there was Varney on his left. He probably could have gone further it was several knock-ons at important times far far too many knock-ons uh at important times 70 minutes in there were 12 handling errors by italy to namibia's six yeah i think that's an important thing to note right there were too many handling errors too many handling errors and too many penalties objectively probably that number obviously looks way worse because italy will have had a lot more possession and so if you have more possession you're more likely to have more handling errors but 12 handling errors is still not okay 
lots of them were handling errors in the red zone. Lots of them were handling errors when Italy were about to score. Yeah. And that's not really good enough because against better opposition, you need to take those opportunities. Yeah. Also, Italy were turned over quite a lot at the breakdown. And when you consider how good Italy's back row is, there's no really excuse for being turned over so much. And if I may, the number of penalties, just to give you guys a little bit of context, because in a few weeks' time, Italy will be facing France. France gave away zero penalties in all of the second half against New Zealand. Let that sink in. They weren't playing against, I'm not going to name any teams, but a a tier two, tier three team. They were playing New Zealand and they gave away zero penalties in the entirety of the second half. So obviously France are a beast of their own, but those are, those are, for me, real things that we need to be working on in the lead up to these two big games at the end of the month. Absolutely. The other thing, which I'm not sure you, there's no quick fix for this, but when Italy are exiting or when Italy have a penalty, they either don't kick it far enough or it doesn't go dead. And comparing that to how Barrett was doing it for New Zealand or how DuPont can exit... We're losing, Italy's losing probably about, I'm going to say 20 metres on each one of those kicks compared to the All Blacks or France. Every kick, whether it's a clearance or a penalty, is about 20 metres shy of where their opposite numbers would be putting it. I agree. There's no sort of quick fix for that. But those are things to be very aware of as we head into bigger games, because as we've mentioned... what What was the first thing Italy did at the beginning of the second half? They did something immediately wrong. I don't know if it was that, but that was one of the things early on in the second half. It's in my yellow book. Have you got my yellow book with you? I saw a post-match interview with uh, Lamado and he said that, yeah, their first half, they they were a bit shaky and they were a bit rattled and they were a bit nervy. And, and he was like, yeah, it felt a little bit like we were playing individual rugby rather than team rugby. But it came together in the second half. But as you've mentioned, you could really tell the difference from like when they started in the tunnel ahead of the game, they're in there, a dog who's dancing away, Lamaro's chatting to the, the child that he's going to run on with. And then at the start of the second half, when they're in the tunnel, it is just game face. Game face was on. But then they still went on at the beginning of the second half and cocked something up immediately. What do they do at the beginning of the second half? Oh, yeah. Well, Negri did twice in the first, once in the first half, once in the second half. He he was fine taking the ball into into contact. But then once he was on the floor, he kind of knocked it on. Yeah. So they're pissed off in the tunnel. And the first thing they do is they come out and Negri gives away a penalty for mouthing off to the referee. So I'm not sure which is better, the laughing and the joking or the angry face. Well, they need to just sort that the hell out because that's not going to get them anywhere again as they face bigger and better teams. Yeah, I think they got a bit of a scolding in the the locker room. I think they did. I think they got an absolute bollocking because they all came out looking really angry. And actually, overall, the game, the way they were talking to each other, reminded me a lot of Benetton playing at Toulon. There was a lot of unhappy players. Yeah. Snapping at each other and yelling at each other and looking at each other angrily. A lot of that. But I think a lot of that comes down to nerves, the emotional roller coaster of being at the World Cup. You know, you dream about it, you dream about it, you dream about it, you dream. You want it to be perfect and then it doesn't go perfectly for you. Yeah. I understand. Also, 
not taking anything away from his brilliance, but Lamador is a very young captain. This is his first World Cup, just like it's everyone else's, or 90% of the team's first World Cups. So just getting used to that pressure, you know, sometimes when you're a nervy young team, it's good to have like an aged leader to settle your nerves. Um, but their leader is not aged, their leader is their age. So it's a learning curve for everybody. Yeah. I mean, the oldest player they had on the pitch there was Tommaso Allen, who led by example under ah. the high ball, led by example in many ways, and led by example by his great kicking. And who would have thought in years gone by that we'd be saying that? Me. Me. Years gone by. Months gone by. I called this. I'm just, I'm going to put that out there. I said this months ago, I had a theory, and my theory stands strong. He has basically missed no kicks, and we're not talking easy kicks. That last try that Adogri scored could not have been any more in the corner. And I saw an interview with um, Tommaso Allen at the end where he was like, oh, I was really happy with my seven from seven. And then Paolo went and scored in the corner and I was like, damn it, that's going to ruin my record. But he still got that kick. Eight from eight, guys. Eight from eight. He was saying that because he was knackered. He said he didn't have the energy to kick the last one. But he did. He did. He's a stalwart and there is no way you have a game of rugby now without him on that pitch. No. Because he's he's vital. He's indispensable. Yeah, he was brilliant. But yeah, before we move on to some of the great things that we saw in that game, um, individual great things, because we kind of mentioned overall how it was a good game for Italy, um, I think we should look at the one try that Namibia did score, a brilliant try, not taking anything away from that finish, which was just perfection. But they should never have been able to get into that position in the first place, I think. No, it was pretty standard, top quality stuff. They just worked around the corner, kept pushing Italy one way, kept pushing Italy one way. And then all of a sudden, zip, out it goes against the grain when they saw Italy had the wrong numbers. And Paolo Garbisi charged up and they were able to neatly finish in the corner. It was a really lovely looking try and it was really well worked and it came from multiple phases of play, all at a quick pace. That shows how good they could be. You know, they they were a very decent side. I loved the way they played. They worked the Italian defence really well. It was the the main time in the game where they were able to really manipulate the Italian defence. Monty did his best to get out there once he realised what was going on, uh, but couldn't quite cover that tackle. And it was a lovely finish and absolutely no less than Namibia deserved. I think it's one for their highlight reel. They look ecstatic about it and rightly so. Yeah, I feel like actually Namibia probably could have, should have, might have come away with a couple more points than they did in the end. They were very, very good for 30 minutes of that game. They shut Italy down for a very long period of time in the middle of the game. And it was a warning shot for Italy because after that, they didn't score any more points. So I think Italy realised that actually they can't be in any way complacent in defence because Namibia will punish them. But, you know, that was the only points Namibia scored. And then we look at all the great things that Italy did. Their line out and their scrum, both things that we've said, oh, we haven't been sure about. Granted, again, we're not dealing with a tier one nation, but this is it. You have to develop it and and try and put the basics in place to to get to the tier ones in a few weeks' time. And Kieran Crowley took a punt with his squad this week, going a 5-3 bench, 
because he thought, oh, actually, we can play around in the backs a little bit more. But he was right to do so because actually their scrum was solid against Namibia and their line out was very good against Namibia. Nikatara yeah. was just very, very reliable in that line out. Yeah. And Brian Moore said recently for the Telegraph that the problem with being a tier two nation in the World Cup is that it's a game based on power. And eventually, if your scrum and your line out crumble, that is a snowball effect because then you'll end up giving away a yellow card it will lead to more penalties that punishes you more you then get punished more because those penalties turn into more line outs or more scrums so it's really difficult to stay in the game if you're slightly behind the level at the scrum or the line out yeah namibia were good but italy were better so i'm actually pretty impressed that namibia stayed in as well as they did all things considered. Yeah, it's actually one of the things that I hate the most in rugby is that when in the scrum you're so clearly weaker, but just because you're weaker in a scrum shouldn't mean that you get penalised for just not being as good. And this idea that like, oh yeah, if you, you know, your scrum is not as strong, eventually you'll get yellow carded. Well, so what do you expect me to do after that? I'm going to be even shitter than I am right now if you yellow card one of my front rows. I completely agree because it takes that one part of the game and makes it dominate everything else. Yeah. It should just be okay, fine. You're you're dominating in the scrum. You've got a you've got a penalty advantage. But it ne- it should never turn into a yellow card because then you're really going, "Oh, yeah, you're I'm just penalizing you for being a little bit weaker." And that's not yeah. fair. They're not doing I- anything wrong. They're just not as good. And then once you've had a man sent to the bin, the opposition will immediately ask for another scrum. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, it, it kind of baffles me that they haven't changed that because mm. there's been a lot of good changes um, to the laws of rugby recently. And, and that to me feels like a really obvious one. But yeah, so the lineup was good. The scrum was good. Tommy Allen's kicking was great. Um, standout performances. Zuliani was brilliant. Off the bench. What a machine. Brex with his running and the kicking ability. Ah, wasn't that just fire? Brex suddenly, like, and we've joked, we've spent many, many a podcast and non-podcast drinking session discussing how fantastic Brex is, but that he's a little bit slow. And Brex just gassed people. Yeah, like, what was that? Blew down the wing. <laughs> and then kicking to pin Namibia back in open play. That was just beautiful. Yeah. Baby Canone had an excellent game. Superb game and man of the match on his own, not even his like big brother like on the pitch with him to to back him up. He did it all by himself. Fiverr, Dino Lamb had an excellent game. Mm. Dogwu finishing well. In fact, it was some of the bigger names, the biggest names actually, that had the the weakest game for Italy, and that was interesting. But it was. Yeah. Uh, it, it was all the headline acts real headline acts that are actually not at their absolute best. But you know what? They don't need to be at their best against Namibia. And if they're at their best against France and New Zealand, brilliant. I'll take that. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. You can't be at your best every time. And if I may, I also think that's credit to Namibia because who are Namibia going to be preparing for? They're going to be watching for the stars, the best, and going like, right, how do we avoid them getting the ball? And they did that. And that's probably part of why they didn't, the stars, the best, didn't have their best game. Credit to Namibia. Yeah. Again, I think Crowley is listening to the podcast. So hello, Crowley. <laughs> um, because we mentioned 
We mentioned in a few podcasts ago that the 10-12 WC Allen would probably work quite well. So, and it did. So you're welcome, Crowley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, no, it was um it's Goosen that's listening and then Eddie do oh, the yeah. voice. You see, I go in I tell Kieran we need to do this, this and that. Wait, I'll be Kieran. Oh no, coach, can you do a New Zealand? No, it doesn't accent? matter. It doesn't matter. You just got to believe me when I tell you that I told Kieran what you said and he thought it was a good idea. Well, I'm glad. Thanks for listening. Like and subscribe, everybody. <laughs> uh, Pedrello, great. He set up a wonderful try yeah. for Giuliani. That was a lovely bit of scrum halfery yeah. and a lovely bit of flanker running. Superb. But I think the star moment, and Eddie's been holding back, he's wanted to talk about this all episode. The star of that game, Eddie. Let me be a kick over the top. Montione gets it. He's on his right wing. He takes it, disappears. He goes around his opposite number. But he ends up running sideways across the pitch. He's crabbing. He's crabbing all the way. He's looking up. He's sprinting as fast as he can. He's looking for space. In there? No. In there? No. In there? No. He's still going east to west. He eventually gets, runs out of space, curves around. He starts gassing people down the wing. And then all of a sudden, from nowhere, this hero, this god amongst men, this Namibian substitute prop dives like Superman and misses but it doesn't matter that he missed because the way he took off i was winded myself watching how this 35 year old 125 kilo man landed after he thought he at a leap could bring down one of the fastest wingers in the game and I think we should all be more like that man. A round of applause to Casper Vivier. And guys, I've been holding on to this picture for about a day now. I've wanted to share it with you, but um, I thought it would be funnier if I showed it to you while we were live on air. Courtesy of Carbo Rugby, who shared it um, on their socials. And I couldn't believe this was the photo that they've put on uh, World Rugby. For Casper Vivier, Eddie's now in love with him. I'm in love with him. I think the rugby world is in love with him. I wish I had him on my fantasy team. This, well, you can put him on next week, can't you? No, I'm on the, whatever the one is, where <gasps> you can't change your squad. Oh, brutal. Let me show you the photo of Casper Vivier for this Rugby World Cup 2023. There he is. What a man. Look at the finger. Let me zoom in on that finger for you. Look at him. Look at this man. 125 kilos. And he nearly brings down a world-class wing. In well, it's just the effort, the dive. <laughs> I mean, he dives so far. He lands. He belly flops onto the grass. It's amazing. Those very fingers he grabbed his by the scruff of the neck. He did. He grabbed him by the scruff of the neck with these very fingers. These very fingers. It looks like he's got a little cup of coffee. And he's yeah. having, he's inviting he's us He's having around. a good old time. He is having a good old time. Do you know And what? there was another bit later on in the game where he ended up at first receiver <laughs> and did some sick hands out the back. Yeah. He's an amazing guy. <laughs> I want to be friends with him. I'm going to start the fantasy rugby because I forgot to start and um, I'll put him on my team from week two. What a hero. What a ledge. Imagine how much fun he'd be to have a, have a spritz with. Oh, I bet he's got some stories. We should get him on the pod. 
We should get him on the board. Coach might be threatened though, because he's is he a year younger than you, Coach? Um, and he but he weighs more than you. That's not possible. That's a threat. <laughs> it's not possible. I don't know why I was threatened by that. <laughs> But yeah, guys, great first game. It's kind of all in all, there were there were some lows, but all in all, I think it was a great learning experience for most of that team that are very, very fresh, very young, and just a great first game uh, in terms of the climb that they've got ahead of them. Andrew Brace, oh. Bracey, Bracey, that Piardi was telling us is learning Italian. He said fuori gioco many times. I enjoyed that. I think he had a pretty good game. I think Nothing he had a pretty good game. No. I think maybe if you're Namibian, you could say he went to his pocket a little bit early in the game. Maybe, but also that but then that just... would have been a try. So yeah. I think also you could play it both ways. You say, yeah, yeah, he gave a yellow card quite early, but he didn't give the penalty try. Exactly. Yeah, I would agree. With Not that. that it matters because Tommaso Allen kicked it like it was nothing. Yeah, he did. But um, if I may just give Andrew Brace a tiny piece of um, Italian advice, because he's obviously studying hard and he... As we've heard, he's been asking Andrea specific pronunciations. And the one thing um, that I think should just be standard that you don't actually need to speak Italian to be able to say is the name of the Italy captain. And uh, he's not Michelle. He's not Michelle. I, I mean, I don't think you need to speak Italian to just be able to listen, like do a little bit of research and be like, oh, okay, it's Michele. Michele. It's not Michelle. Mm. So I was like, why is he calling him Michelle? He, like, he must know it's not Michelle. But then I guess he's so busy actually focusing on real words and not names and pronouns that, um, yeah, it's not These Michelle. things happen. These things do happen. But all in all, he had a good game. What about the world's first female TMO? Yes. Ah, oh, Joy, Joy Neville. Congratulations, Joy. Congrats, Joy. Shattering glass ceilings for us all. Not yeah. a joy to watch, though, was she? <laughs> I would agree with that, just in a little parenthesis. Um, Zuliani, that, going for that try and then being told it was a knock-on. I'm not sure it was a knock-on. It wasn't a try because he didn't touch the line, but I don't know that it was a knock-on. But there you are. You know what? It was all right in the end, but agreed. I don't think that was quite the right TMO call. Fucking joy. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, what made Coach mad this week? Well, I mean, everyone's talking about it, so it's hardly observational comedy at its best, but the children's singing for the national anthem. <laughs> now, it is a charity that puts this together, so I want to be very careful. <laughs> with how I, yeah, it's a charity that does it, but they are fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just start this by saying, I want to be careful with <laughs> Yeah, they, they, it's really bad. Every I don't know time. how it got past the first. Do you think? Okay, so can I can I tell you what I think? I didn't realize it was a charity, but do you, do you think then because it's a charity, this might make a little bit more sense? They were like, okay, guys, it would be really nice if we worked with like a charity and like children and like encouraging the sport. We'll get this like children's choir to sing the anthems pre-recorded as well. I was like, are these are these live or are these pre they're pre-recorded, which makes them even more shitty. Um, and then they were like so far in, like so deep into this that they couldn't back out. 
Yeah, I think it's also too late for them to get rid of them for the rest of the games because... Yeah. And so we're just going to have to get used to it, that every national anthem is now a non-event and a little bit creepy. Very flat. Like the twins in The Shining. Yeah, maybe it must have sounded really lovely. They, they obviously tested it in a silent stadium with no one singing and it must have sounded very angelic and great. But then when you put a bunch of 50,000 rugby fans also singing the same song... They need a band. They need yeah, something with a bit yeah. of a kick. And hearing just a bunch of like little <laughs> children doing the the musician bit of the Italian. Oh, it's enraging. That's not even it. But oh. That's not it. But um... It's no, enraging yeah. for all the wrong reasons. Like they, they go there, they put fireworks on, <laughs> they, you know, the light show, the music. And then all of a sudden, everyone's really pumped up before the game. And then a choir of children start singing Silent Night. <laughs> they all sound like Silent Night. On on pre-record as well. It's not even live. Oh, they're just the worst. <laughs> but it is for charity. Yeah. Do you know what the charity is? Deaf Society. have to actually find out what the charity is and we'll link it in our episode just so that if anyone wants to donate to the charity (laughs) yeah it's hard though little children i tell you they melt your heart i'm working on this opera at the minute and it's got these little children that come on and they do very little but they come on at one point with a bunch of the chorus from the opera house um and there's these tiny tiny little kids and they're in like beggars clothes and they're meant to be like homeless children and they are the most angelic thing. And you're like, oh, take all my money, have it all. But then you're like, but but you're not doing anything. And this is another example of that. You think like, oh, this is so sweet. And it melts your heart. But actually in the context of like what we're about to do, which is like get 30 odd men playing on a rugby pitch and like beating the crap out of each other. Like these little angelic voices don't really work. No, it was a very odd decision. Almost as odd as the French opening ceremony, which was absolute <laughs> shit. They must, I reckon they made, they've got the Olympics, they put all this stuff together. I reckon they took everything that's good, that's going to be in the Olympics. Yeah. And everything that was too shit to make the cut, that made it into this opening ceremony. And they had a human cockerel, all right? This guy obviously lives on a small boat somewhere. He was like stealing food from the stadium on his way home. I mean, he looked so weird. And then they, it was like, if it wasn't actually made and signed off by the French, it would have looked really racist against the French. I mean, they're literally handing out baguettes to each other. Coach, were you involved in the opening ceremony? No. You could you could tell it was fiction, though, because one of the waiters that was handed a baguette smiled. <laughs> Did you watch the opening ceremony, Coach? I didn't, but I, I kind of want to do it now. It sounds yeah. awful. <laughs> oh, it was, it was the absolute pits. <laughs> trying to find this charity just to be sure how how bad my comments were just then. No, it doesn't matter, you, but you could donate the money to anything. You don't need to have to listen to the songs. Yeah, know. yeah. just post a link in, in our stories for this episode. You can buy the big charity. issue, but not take the magazine. You can. That's true. You can. But, yeah. but um, so, think... yeah, you were upset with, this, with the children. Yes. Well, um... for, for what it's worth, uh, as Eddie's already pointed out, I don't think they're going anywhere um, because it would be too much of a statement to pull them even though everyone's saying give us our anthems well, back. <laughs> they could just 
cut out the beginning of it where they start doing the harmonizing and that's when the blood pressure starts to go up and you're like oh i remember i remember why this issue the national anthem shouldn't be sung by a choir right it doesn't sound right at all so it should just be one person just yeah or a band with a band the crowd but yeah a, ch- a children's choir is a weird call i think i think it's also the players don't know when to start singing that's the problem i think i think yeah, that's well, the problem i mean also the welsh national anthem that we just listened to some of those notes were odd and i think they can't have recorded it and thought they were odd so it must have just been the combination of the notes with the live audience that just sounded not good oh well and that's what made coach mad this week So Uruguay next, how do we feel? Feeling good because Italy had no injuries from this game. They've got a big old break before the next game. And it's a cliche, but that was a really good platform for them to work on, build on, get better if they play better against Uruguay and then build on that again, moving into New Zealand and France. I think, you know, there's a sporting chance they could actually get out. Bonus point win, guys. Top of the group currently. Only Ireland scored more points. Great start. I love that. Scoring seven tries is, in a World Cup is is big. Yeah. They've got time now. They've got, what, 11 days before Uruguay, which is much longer than they're going to have for any of the, in between any of the other games. So they've got real time to rest and they could essentially just put the exact same team out. I don't know whether they will. I don't know whether they should. But they could. But they could because they've got this big fat break. Yeah. They'll probably test out the 10-12 thing again at halftime, depending on how the game goes, obviously. Well, the one guy I know who will be starting is Tommy Allen. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please do tell everyone. Like us, follow us, share us. More coming up, some very exciting things coming up. And uh, grazie tanto. Yeah, rate us five stars, please. Thank you so much to everyone who has rated us five stars in the last couple of weeks. We really, really appreciate it. It's been great to have you. Guys, we've hit 500 followers on the old Instagram, which is, you know, super fun. Well done. Super fun. We're famous now. We're famous. (laughs) Stop the count! (laughs) Keep listening. We'll be back for Uruguay. We might be back before. See. Thank you very much. Grazie. Arrivederci. Fiji were fucking robbed. Ciao! Ciao a tutti! Ciao!